Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Political Division Re-Envisioned with Nick Liberty. Um, I just want to give a preamble on this episode again, like some of the other ones that I've done. This is going to be another sensitive content episode. I'm going to be covering, uh, well, the title of the episode is called America in Black and Blue. Um, and what I'm referring to, of course, is, is the situation involving police shootings, um, racial statistics, crime statistics, population statistics. Uh, I'm going to try and keep things very statistical and analytical rather than opinion-based. Uh, I might interject a couple of opinions on certain things, but for the most part, I just want to do a deep dive into the statistics and how they relate to what we see in the news and how we see in, in what people claim and how people stir each other up and where the fear comes from and all that. So um, as always, even if you are sensitive to these subjects, I would encourage you to tough it out and listen in and prove me wrong. Um, I really would like nothing more than for people out there to look at the sources that I looked at that I'm going to list throughout this. Um, if I misread something, which can happen, I'm not a professional. Uh, I'd love for you to point out that I was wrong on something or that my numbers weren't right, even though you know, I, I double, triple checked all of these and used multiple sources to ensure that the numbers are correct. But I can make mistakes, so I really encourage people to, to double check it out there and do their own research on this. But uh, that being said, I'm going to get right into the brunt of the episode in just a moment. All right, before I dive into the statistical analysis and run through some of the numbers and some of the opinions on it, uh, I first want to, to preface everything in this episode by saying I do not, I mean, this goes without saying, but I'm not condoning the actions of racism on any part. I'm not condoning unjustified police shootings. I'm not saying that the police should be uh, excused when they do things they shouldn't do. And I'm not trying to stir up any uh, disruption or any aggravation towards anybody. I'm just trying to qualm some of the fears people have and go through a real analysis, which I don't often see people do. I hear people on the right quote statistics that make it seem like every black person commits crimes and every police officer is justified. And I see people on the left say that, you know, every police officer is racist and the entire police force wants to shoot unarmed black people. And neither of those things are true. So I'm going to try and use this episode to, to get to a middle ground of where the truth actually lies. And then at some point during this episode, I also want to dive into why I think that the narrative that the media is pushing is dangerous for both parties involved and benefits nobody. So um, that's just my little preamble to say there are absolutely racist cops and there are absolutely bad actors from all races who want to shoot cops and neither of those things is okay and neither of those things should be justified or condoned and I am absolutely not doing that in any way in this episode. So um, just to dive right into some of the statistics... So I'm going to start getting to some statistics in a second, but first I just want to do a quick overview, and I'll probably reference these and call back to them and specifically mention which each statistic applies to. Um, but I used a couple different statistics to get the numbers that I'm going to discuss, and I made sure that I fact-checked them by cross-referencing different sources. Uh, so what I did was that the main data, like the, the general numbers, come from statista.com and usafacts.org. And especially Statista.com isn't known for being like 100% accurate on their statistics. So I took those numbers and I cross-referenced them with more bias in favor of the counter-argument. 
So in other words, I looked to make sure that those Statista numbers were equal to or greater than what the source is saying that the problem is, is what I would say is worse than it is. So I used more left bias sources like Washington Post or policeviolencereport.org, uh, manhattan-institute.org to double check those numbers to make sure they were reasonably accurate. And they were within a reasonable margin. I mean, if you're talking about a number that's like 250, they might have been, you know, 255. Uh, there is some miscommunications and these studies are done at different times, but generally speaking, all of the numbers that I used in all these different websites and all what I found lined up within a reasonable degree. Um, and also before I go into statistics too, again, I'll probably mention this a second time, but keep in mind that when you're working with millions numbers and hundreds numbers and even thousands numbers, um, rounding can make some variation but the, the general proportions are going to be accurate and the numbers are going to be within a reasonable degree, extremely accurate. Um, if anything, I try to round up in a way or down in a way so that it would be more harmful to my position just to prove a point. Um, so if, for example, if, if there's a number that would be detrimental to my argument that was like one of the ones that can be in here is 14.8%, I would round that up to 15% just to make an even worse case scenario. Um, so without further ado, I'm going to start getting into some of the basic statistics, and then I'm going to do a deep dive into some of the more um, particulars. First, I'm going to tell you what the pools we're working with are here. In case anybody's not familiar, I'm going to go from this like people have no idea what the composition of America is. In America, there are 196.8 million white people non-Hispanic. There are, at the same time, 62.6 million Hispanic individuals and 43.1 million African American, although I think that, that term is kind of silly in general because there are a lot of people that you would consider black who are not necessarily of African descent, like Jamaicans, for example. So I'll probably use the, the term black. That's what the statistics use. I don't normally use that in my day-to-day -day life, but that's what I'll use. So you got 196.8 million white individuals that are non-Hispanic, 62.6 million Hispanic individuals, and 43.1 million black non-Hispanic individuals. And another population that's going to be important in this is that you have about 700,000 police officers in the United States on active duty. That number varies from year to year from around the high 600,000s to the low 700,000s. The average is right around 700,000. So I'm going to base a lot of these statistics off those populations. And I'm first going to start by, by going through the statistics of those groups in relation to being shot in their day-to-day -day life. And I'm not going to include... I will later on go into adjusting those numbers to include some factors, but I'm going to start with just a, any individual is just as likely within those populations. There's no considerations. I'm just going to go purely numbers of people shot compared to those numbers of the overall population. So first off, um, in the white population, about... 459 white individuals are shot by police each year. Again, this is not including any factors. This is just people shot. And this is going off of 2020 data. The numbers do vary slightly, but the proportions in which they vary are, are pretty close. It's normally a matter of, you know, less than 10 people different per group. So 
In the United States in 2020, 459 white individuals were shot, 171 Hispanic individuals were shot, and 243 black individuals were shot. Again, this is all by police. This isn't including any kind of of, uh, crime element on crime element interaction. This is just police shooting citizens. Um, So what those numbers boil down to is about 0.00023% of white Americans are shot by police per year, which is roughly 1 in 434,800. Roughly 0.00029% of Hispanic individuals, or 1 in 370,400, are shot. And 1 in, I'm sorry, and 0.00025% of black individuals, uh, roughly 1 in 178,600 are shot. So what that means is if you're removing all other factors, you know, just you are a white individual sitting on your couch, you in a year have a 1 in 434,800 chance in being shot by police. Uh, If you're Hispanic, you have a 1 in 370,400 chance of getting shot by police. And if you're black, you have a 1 in 178,600 chance of getting shot by police. And again, obviously, that's not the case. This is is just purely based off of those numbers of people shot compared to the overall pool of people within that ethnicity. Um, So it's, it's already, even with all other factors removed, just assuming that you are a, a person sitting at home, that's a pretty slim statistic. Like the, the chances of that happening to you already, even based off of this flawed um, pool that I've created off of this, well, not flawed pool, the pool's correct, based off of this flawed um, analysis where I'm leaving out tons of different factors and I'm just focusing on those, which would be the all-time worst scenario if every single person within those ethnicities acted exactly the same as everyone else within that ethnicity. Um, but if you boil those numbers down even further, which I'll get to, um, it it becomes even more interesting, but even based off of that, you're talking about such a small chance that the way that things are directed in the media, the way that, that things are portrayed, where we create this division, where cops think that all, um, black people, especially think that they're racist and want to kill them. So those cops are going to be on guard. And at the same time, those African-Americans or black individuals, they are led to believe that all cops are racist. So they're going to be predisposed to be aggressive. What you end up doing is you end up putting both of these groups at a higher risk by pushing this false narrative, by making them believe that the other one is a threat to them. All you do is increase the odds that they're going to have a violent confrontation and that one or the other is going to be shot. And when you look at the statistics of the police, like I've mentioned, you're talking about in the U.S. 700,000 police in active duty per year, roughly. And that number changes a little bit. It varies slightly from the high 600,000s to the low 700,000s, but about an average of 700,000 police that are currently working as police officers in the United States. Now, 73 of them got killed in 2020, which is roughly 0.01% of all police. 
which is a 1 in 10,000 chance. So if you're talking purely statistical, again, removing all other factors, if you are a cop in America, you have a 1 in 10,000 chance of being shot. Whereas if you're in any other group, even the worst, which happens to be the black community, and I'll get into some specifics on that in a little bit, but even in the black community, you're talking about a 1 in almost 200,000 chance compared to a 1 in 10,000 chance. Those are some pretty significant statistics. And you don't really hear anybody talking about the fact that realistically, the citizens are more of a threat to the police by population than the police are ever a threat to the individual. And again, that's by statistic. And I'll uh, get into more of the specifics on like that whole relation and what it has to do with everything and where the narrative comes from and the effects. Um, and I think I touched on that briefly before, but what I want to do is do an even deeper dive into those numbers, go one layer deeper and talk about if you just add one factor to that, how much that number changes. So before I gave you, um, one in 434,800 for white individuals, one in, one in 370,400 for Hispanic individuals, and a one in 178,600 for black individuals. And again, that's, that's just straight across the board, police shootings compared to overall populations of ethnicity. Now, what's really fascinating is that when you go a level deeper and you just add in one factor to that, and that is unarmed or armed, the amount of unarmed shootings in the case of police shootings was roughly 15%. And that comes from a number from, um, from Statista.com again, and I kind of compared it with other sources to make sure, like I said, I used Manhattan Institute and a few other places to, to verify these numbers are accurate. But when you're talking about just general police shootings, like I said, 15%, that's rounded up. That comes from um, the list uses unarmed as 55, other as 44, and unknown as 29. So when you add those together, that's 129. So I'm using the worst case scenario to get that 15%. I'm using a number that includes not just what they list as unarmed, but what they list as unknown or other. So I, I've, I'm assuming that some of that unknown and other might just be weapons that don't fit into other categories. But let's just assume that those are also unarmed individuals and they're just not sure when they report. Um, so I took that 129 and I compared that to the overall uh, just about 1,000, a little over 1,000. Uh, of police shootings in general, and you get about 14.8% rounding up to 15%. So if you apply that statistic additionally to the previous statistics, those numbers change even more drastically. What you end up with is about 69 unarmed shootings of white individuals per year by police, 26 unarmed shootings by police against Hispanics, and 36 against black individuals. That boils down to uh, for white, 0.000035% of the population. For Hispanic, 0.000042%. 0.000084% for the black community. So again, I'm going to do the same thing I did before. I'm going to use the same formula, the same process to boil that down to a, a statistical number. And keep in mind again, and I'm going to get into this in a second, um, this doesn't factor in 
everything. There's still another layer to this that I'm going to get into. But if you are just looking at, okay, so you are a white individual in America, you know, just at home in a year. So if you are an unarmed individual in the white community, everything else being equal, you have a one in two million eight hundred and fifty seven thousand one hundred and forty three chance of being shot by the police unarmed. Um, if you are a Hispanic individual, that's 2,380,952, another one in statistics. So you have a one in that. And for the black community, that you have a one in 1,190,476 chance of being shot by the police unarmed. So again, there there is a clear difference there. And there is a, a disparity between African-American, Hispanic, and white. But those numbers are extremely, extremely low. I mean, you're talking about a, a, a number so small that statistically to have fear about that, I mean, you, you, you'd be more likely to have fear of being struck by lightning or getting hit by a meteorite walking out to your mailbox than being shot by the police if you're not putting yourself in a dangerous situation. And even if you are putting yourself in a dangerous situation, before I put that second number in and made those numbers even more crazy, the first numbers I went through in the last segment, that's just across the board, including armed individuals. So it, it's just it's one of those things where I don't think that this um, subject gets a fair analysis, and I don't think that people do their homework on it because this took a while. Like I did a couple hours of research and double checking and making sure my numbers were right, but none of these numbers were that hard to get. And then to extrapolate the data from them was not that much more difficult. It just took a, a simple refresher on statistics. <laughs> um, so I'm going to get into one more topic relating to this, and then I'm going to kind of move into like the, what we can draw from this, like what the problem is and so this next section, I'm just comparing white and black data. I couldn't find Hispanic data that was reliable for these numbers. I, I, I'm sure it's out there somewhere if I kept diving, but I just wanted to, to address that disparity that you still see in those statistics of people shot because there absolutely is, when you compare it to population, a disparity of African-Americans compared to white folks. So... What I did was I looked up, again, statistics from 2020, and this comes from OJJDP.gov. That's the Office of Juvenile Justice and Delinquency Prevention. Uh, it, it, from what I can see, it's a pretty reliable source. Again, these numbers, I checked them other places as best I could. It's very difficult to find these numbers and to find them from reliable sources because what comes up when you try and find them is a lot of bias stories and false information and people picking out just one thing and trying to use it to, to prove their point. Um, but this website seemed the most reliable. And what I found was that in, in violent crimes in 2020, there were 5,680 murders by white folks compared to 6,380 by black folks. Pretty comparable number. I mean, that's basically, you know, and when you're talking about thousands, it's within 10%. Um, with robbery, it was the same case. It was 32,080 by whites compared to 33,650 with the black community. Um, with burglary, you were talking about 103,400 in the white community and 
a lot lower for the black community, 41,390. And then aggravated assault was the same, roughly twice as many aggravated assaults by white people at 236,520 compared to 127,010 in the black community. But so you, so you add those numbers up, what you come to is you end up with a total of 377,680 violent crimes committed by white folks and 208,430 committed by black folks. Uh, again, those are just those numbers I just gave you added up. So that's murder, robbery, burglary, and aggravated assault. Um, there are other violent crimes that the statistics were unsure of. I just used four to, to make a comparison, and I tried to pick two that were heavier in one direction and two that were heavier in the other so that we could have a, an honest comparison. I didn't want to leave out ones that were beneficial to one argument or the other. Um, so what you end up with is if you take that 377,680 for the white violent crimes, and you divide that by the population of white people in America, you end up with about 0.20% of the population uh, would be committing those crimes if you know everything else was even across the board. 0.2% of the white population, so one in 500 white people commit violent crimes. Um, if you compare that to the African-American community, of their population, you'd have 0.48% of that um, 43.1 million, and that's about one in 200. So what you see is that that number, uh, when you compare that to the, the violent action of police, to the fatal shootings, the numbers are pretty consistent. And again, I mean, the numbers are pretty low in general. You're talking about 150 unarmed shootings per year, which, and again, I'm not condoning uh, unarmed, unjustified shootings. But when you compare these numbers, they're not that different to the point where you would have to say, okay, the, the police are racist. It's more or less just that in these downtrodden communities where there's more crime, there are higher percentages of black populations, and those populations in those areas commit more crimes disproportionate to their overall pool. Now, it's not to say that these statistics, please do not misconstrue this, these statistics do not apply to all white people or all black people in general. They're just using that as a pool to generate the data. Obviously, these numbers are not 100% accurate to the real world situation, but it's the best conclusion I can draw without making this podcast two hours long and going into specific crime statistics in specific cities, which maybe someday I will do a deep dive into some of those cities. But for this one, I wanted to address this general issue of the police, the fatal shootings by the police, the fatal shootings of the police and their relationship with the different communities, especially between the black community and police officers. Um, so again, you know, these numbers aren't perfect. None of these, uh, there is a, a fair bit of rounding involved with getting these numbers. Again, I tried to do that in a way so that it was uh, a, more of a counter argument than anything not beneficial to my argument. But I do encourage, once again, everybody to do their own research on this and double check everything. Um, before I close out the podcast here and finish out this way too long of an episode, uh, I do want to, to kind of speak about the general issues that this false narrative that's been created as promised has caused in the United States and why I just think that it's, it's not really beneficial to anyone. So give me just a moment and I'll get right into that. Generally speaking, 
there is an issue in certain communities, in certain police departments of police that are racist, that go out of their way to harass, prosecute, and even kill people because they don't like their race. And this does disproportionately affect the black community. I am not going to claim anything otherwise at all. There is absolutely white cops and even Hispanic cops who think that black people commit all the crimes and will go out of their way because they hate them to prosecute, kill, or harm them. But when you consider that you have such a broad population, it's not really shocking that there are a couple of awful individuals. And these people, any cop, I don't care what what race they are, and I don't care what race they commit an action against, if a cop acts outside of what they're supposed to do, they should be held accountable 10 times more than anybody that is a normal U.S. citizen should be held accountable. And I'll explain why. As a U.S. citizen, there are a lot of laws that you are expected to follow, but you don't know what a lot of them are. I mean, it doesn't really become an issue. I mean, if you're not trying to record someone, for example, you don't really need to know the particulars of what your state says on one-party consent, two-party consent, whatever, for for recording an individual. In my state, New York, it happens to be that it's a one-party consent state. So as long as I know that I'm recording, I can record somebody who doesn't know they're being recorded. But we both can't, we can't both be recorded by somebody else without our knowledge. That's what one-party consent means. You might not know the particulars of a law like that, but a police officer who is supposed to enforce the laws should. So if a police officer acts outside the law and kills somebody or shoots somebody or harms or even arrests somebody or searches them or whatever it may be without just cause, they know better. They know what the laws are and they've been trained on what they're supposed to do. So either A, that training is insufficient, or B, they are doing things they know they shouldn't do. And either way, that problem needs to be addressed. And any police officer that shoots an unarmed individual, black, white, Hispanic, doesn't matter, and there is no probable cause for them to believe that that individual was a threat to them, they should absolutely be immediately dismissed. None of this like temporary leave suspension nonsense. You will be immediately dismissed as soon as it's proven that you were acting outside the law and you will have no benefits. You will be disrespected and you will be charged for that crime. And there is no doubt in my mind that that should happen. That police that do what they're not supposed to do in the line of duty and do the badge disrespect and make life more dangerous for any other police officer that's trying to do good and serve their community should be prosecuted to the highest extent that the law allows. And, quite frankly, higher. So I I really hope that I was able to um, make a clear point on that because I really don't want this episode to get misconstrued as I'm saying that all police are innocent and any time they shoot somebody, it's totally justified, or any time they kill somebody. That is not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is this narrative that you hear in the mainstream media is dishonest, inaccurate, and harmful to everybody. It's doing more bad than it does good. If we focus on prosecuting the individuals that commit these crimes, 
rather than trying to hold an entire organization made up of so many smaller groups that have no relation to each other accountable, and that goes for both the police and the people, we'll be a lot better off. So don't blame uh, an African-American individual who lives down the street for you for the fact that you got robbed by somebody who was African-American when you were on a trip to New York City. Those things aren't associated. Same thing with the police. Don't blame the rest of a police department for the actions of one police, especially if they're in another state or another side of the state, for example. It's, it's one of those things where these two groups in America have been pitted against each other, much like the right and left. And at the end of the day, they really shouldn't be. I mean, if you're someone, especially in a low-income neighborhood, in, in a dangerous community, you should want to have the police watching your back. You should want to be able to call them if something goes down and if you're threatened and your family is in a bad situation. You shouldn't have to be afraid of them. And just the same, the police shouldn't have this fear that if they you know, go somewhere that they, that they need to investigate a crime, that there's going to be someone gunning for them because they think that they're racist. Both of those things create a dangerous situation for everybody, and it's just, it's a zero-sum game where nobody wins. So, anyway, like I said, to conclude, hold police who commit terrible acts accountable, hold them to the highest extent you possibly can, and if criminals commit violent action and they have a weapon and they're threatening police, don't say that it's a racist shooting if a cop shoots somebody who's pointing a gun at them. That's that's ridiculous. I mean, it, that's the problem with some of these cases. It's like somebody pulled a knife and they said to the cop, oh, why didn't you tase them? Because they were rushing you with a knife. Like, if you miss with that taser, you're done. At that point, that police officer wants to go home to their family. And they're the one trying to uphold the law and do the right thing in that case. They're not the one that's acting outside the law. But... If you have an unarmed individual that's being arrested for, like, a, I don't know, a drunk driving situation, and they have no weapon, and the police shoot them, that's inexcusable, too. So it just, I, I just beg people out there to apply some logic to this, and please, like I said, look up those numbers that I looked up. Go on Statista.com, go on USAFacts.org, go on... Um, Washington Post, go on the Manhattan Institute, Manhattan-Institute.org, and go to OJJDP.gov. I'm looking at my notes. I actually took notes for this episode. Um, so please do your own research. And I, I mean, I encourage anybody for any reason to reach out to me at this podcast, but especially if you disagree or if there's something in there that I got wrong, if there's something that I, that I should have said differently, I was trying to walk the line of proving a point without accusing, or I, I definitely didn't want to say anything that was racist or that would make someone feel like I was coming after them or their group. That's not my intent in this episode at all. Um, but please reach out at political division reenvisioned at gmail.com. Just like the name of the podcast, all one word at gmail.com. And again, whether that's, because you disagree and you want to give some feedback. Um, if you want to get involved in the show, I'd love to have some random viewers out there uh, on for a debate and do like a Zoom. Um, 
I just enjoy just hearing from people and hearing some feedback in general. So don't hesitate whatsoever to shoot a message to political division reenvisioned at gmail.com. And please like, follow, comment. And I hope everybody continues to tune in because I'm really proud of this podcast so far. And I'm really happy to, to, to share some of these ideas and some of the things that I think have brought us apart in America and find ways to, to heal and bring us back together. Because I, I think that's the way that all of America wins, no matter what racial group you may be a part of, no matter what ideology you may be a part of, no matter what part of the political spectrum. I think at the end of the day, America does better when all of America does better. I think that all of us, and that goes for the world too, but I'm specifically American, so I'm going to refer to that. America wins when all of America wins. And when, when generally speaking, an American citizen is safer, more secure, when you have the money to survive, when you have the money to thrive, when you can take care of your family, when you can take care of the people you care about, that's when America does well. And I don't think that driving these wedges in these different groups and painting these false stories helps get to that goal. And I think that we all want that, no matter who you may be. So anyway, I've rambled enough. So thank you for listening to Political Division Re-Envisioned. And I hope you all have a, a great day. And uh, I really appreciate you listening. Bye for now.